All right. We heard a little bit of James Taylor there. How sweet it is. How and, sweet it was uh, last night. Yeah. So as it happened, very pleased to welcome Keith Baldry, Baldry's Beat. And as it happened last night, we were both at the James Taylor we show were. in Victoria. He played last night he at the did. Save on Food Center in Victoria. Fantastic great, great concert. Show. James Taylor, Jackson Brown, opening yeah. act. Uh, it, it was, and again, it was the first for me. First time I've been in a big crowd in two years. I had yeah. the, my wife and I, Anne and I had tickets to James, to James Taylor and Bonnie Raitt. Yes. In April 2020. I was the same. I bought the tickets yeah. like two and years ago. And they canceled, of course. They were the first big concert to cancel in Victoria and Vancouver, uh, because of the pandemic. And they came back last night. They're appearing again tonight in Vancouver. Rogers Arena tonight. Yeah. Almost, it was so good last night. Almost want to take a Harbor Air flight <laughs> over there. To go catch the concert there tonight. Uh, so it was, a, it was a fantastic experience. And again, it was a bit surreal to be amongst 5,000 people. It was amazing how many people outside lining up three enormous lines, uh, to get into, uh, the arena. Uh, a large number of Baldry's beat fans, as a matter oh, yeah? of fact. Oh, oh cool. yeah. All I'm talking about, uh, listening to the Mike Smith show all the time. So it was, uh, it was great to be amongst, uh, people. Who are fans, uh, but also all everyone talking about how this was a new experience for them, or at least a, in in two years. None of them had, live concert again. None of them had been in a concert for two years, or been in a big gathering other than shopping. Nobody had been to an event in two years, which is remarkable, and which is why last night was surreal, but it was also a very joyous occasion for many people. Yeah, no, it was a lot of fun. It was a really good show, and I recommend the James Taylor show tonight at Rogers Arena, oh, if, yeah. you, if you're interested. If you've got, it, I he think there's still great. tickets available. Yeah. Uh, a remarkable show. Uh, his voice is great. Like, he's 74 years old, but yep. he's, he still sounds great. Like, his voice is really good. And Jackson Brown really good guitar uh, is 74 years old as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It sounded great as well. They both have great bands. Yeah, it was a great production value. Uh, it was just re a reminder again what great concerts can be like. We, we've forgotten about that in the pandemic. We just haven't done anything for two years, and last night was yeah, great. Yeah, bring it on, bring on some more of it. Yeah, it was a really great show last night. Okay, on another topic, a little bit more serious segue here. So let's talk about the abortion issue that we've talked we talked about earlier today on the show because this that is, is a now serious segue. Th that is actually <laughs> so. Uh, this one is kind of blowing up on both sides of the border here. So mm -hmm. th this, of course, all started with the leaked uh, draft opinion on Roe v. Wade leaked out of the U.S. Supreme Court. And the Democrats in the U.S. Senate yesterday put forward a, a bill that would try to protect abortion. Yeah, codify it into, the, into basic, law. Basically make Roe v. Wade the law. Uh, and it it failed in the U.S. Senate. It was voted down. Not surprising because no. you need sixty votes 60 in the votes U.S. Senate. Failed fifty-one forty-nine. Yeah, uh, you had some Democrats vote against it, notably Senator Joe Manchin from um, West Virginia, who's been a thorn in the side of Joe Biden and, and the Democrats for some time. Uh, voted against it, but the Democrats were also trying to put on the record everyone's position on this issue. Yeah, and they're going to use that in the in the uh, midterm elections and in the ultimate presidential election. Uh, so this issue is coming to the fore in the states, uh, like in in for the first time in decades. But and it's also interesting; it's trickling over the border in Canada. You saw the federal government yesterday, Jean-Yves Duclos, the uh, federal health minister, announcing out of the blue three point five million dollars to bolster what he says was uh, 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 access to abortion rights uh, in in Canada. So. 
you can be sure they're trying to make this a wedge issue against the conservatives. Yeah, I think there's a wedge issue politics going on on both sides of the border. Here's U.S. Vice President Kamala Harris here after this abortion bill was voted down by the Republicans in the Senate. Here's what she had to say. The majority of the American people believe in defending a woman's right, her choice, to decide what happens to her own body. And this vote clearly suggests that the Senate is not where the majority of Americans are on this issue. It also makes clear that a priority for all who care about this issue, a priority should be to elect pro-choice leaders at the local, the state, and the federal level. Because what we are seeing around this country are extremist Republican leaders who are seeking to criminalize and punish women from making decisions about their own body. Yeah, so you hear her clearly exhorting mm-hmm. kind of Democrats onward here. Well, in these, this issue, uh, I think, has energized Democrats. It's fired them up. Uh, they were a little sleepy, I think, going into the midterms. Uh, there was some discontent over Joe Biden's leadership. But now this issue seems to have eclipsed some of those that torpor that uh, I'm not sure to overcome the Democrats. I'm not sure it's enough though to overcome the the bad the bad negatives that Biden has right now though. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, you're right. I mean, Biden Biden's still struggling, but uh, this is an issue that seems to have come out of nowhere for the for Democrats. But uh, we'll see if this is enough in some of these key midterm congressional races, whether it's enough to turn the tide. I, I still think the odds favor the Republicans uh, capturing the majority. Okay. Abortion politics on the rise in Canada, too. So here is Justin Trudeau. Now, he was asked yesterday, as you mentioned, there were some abortion measures by the government yesterday. Trudeau does not rule out some sort of abortion bill on the mm-hmm. floor of the House of Commons. And he's asked here, well, are you trying to isolate the conservatives here, create a wedge issue against the conservatives? Because he also brought in like gun, mm-hmm. a gun announcement yesterday, of course, divides conservatives. So have a listen to this. So it's just a coincidence that you have announcements on abortion and guns today, the same day as the Victoria yeah, we Convention? We to work on all these issues, as we will, but uh, if the Conservatives uh, uh, want to talk about these things, I think it'd be a very good idea for Canadians to know where their perspectives are. Sure, he'd love to have the Conservatives oh, talking about abortion. Oh, you can be abortion. sure he'd love to throw a few hand grenades over to the Conservative caucus on this, whether it's gun control or, abor- or uh, reproductive rights. Uh, you can be sure. I think he's gonna, they're going to try to figure a way to put a bill in front of the House that will force conservatives, just like the Democrats did in the in the states, force conservatives on an individual basis to take a position on reproductive rights and use that in the next election. Right. This came up in the Conservative Party leadership debate mm-hmm. last night. Now, here is an interesting moment because Pierre Polyev, who appears to be the front runner for this job, said last night he is personally pro-choice. Okay, he said that if he was prime minister, he would not introduce or pass any new abortion laws in Canada. But listen to this exchange. So this is Leslin Lewis, also mm-hmm. running for the Conservative Party leadership. Asking, abortion She is pro-life. And she asked him, would you allow a free vote if a vote on abortion does reach the floor of the House of Commons? Listen to his answer. Well, Mr. Foley said that no pro-life bill will pass in his caucus, but he believes in freedom. Are you going to give your MPs the freedom to vote their conscience on issues of life? I do believe in free votes. So there's your direct answer. Yeah, okay. Yeah, well, that opens uh, that potential problem there. But again, it allows free votes. It'll be interesting if you're the leader of a party, you're going to allow your members to bring a, a bill forward. There's the difference here. It's uh, if you've got the, the power to stop your members from bringing a bill forward, 
that sort of uh, negates whether you're in front of, in favor of free votes or not. If a bill can't get onto the floor, there's no vote anyways. So uh, it's it's an interesting position by Poliev. I think he's a little vulnerable on that, but uh, he as long as he sticks to his I'm pro-choice issue uh, position, that should negate some of the uh, adverse uh, opposition to him. Okay, another segue here. So let's talk about what happened uh, yesterday in the legislature. You had an NDP MLA, Rick Glumack, mm-hmm. uh, proposed a backbencher. Usually, when a backbencher makes a government backbencher makes news, it's for all the wrong reasons. Because I always tell backbenchers, if I need to interview you, you're in a lot of trouble. You're having a bad day. You're having a bad day. Because <laughs> that only reason I want to talk to you on the record for news wise is because you're opposing your government. But that wasn't the case yesterday. Rick Lumack, who's the MP or the MLA for Port Moody, Coquitlam, uh, got up and, and in, in the introductions of, uh, preceding question period, uh, had a, uh, uh, pop the question period. Pop the question period. Okay. Let's, uh, have a listen to how, what that sounded like. And, uh, I just have one question for you. Um, <laughs> will you marry me? I think I think that was a yes, but in order to make it official, I'm going to go. I'm going to go out of the gallery to make it official. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Okay. Yeah. So, so Haven is his partner, and she said yes. Um, and that uh, that you know, uh, backbenchers don't make news a lot. This will get international attention. It was uh, the first time ever in the BC legislature. Apparently, this has ever happened. Where someone is proposing, mean, it's almost like the equivalent of going to a Canucks game and seeing up on the jumbotron, uh, you know, po- someone popping the question that way, which we do see from time to time in football games and such. But this is the first time in the BC legislature, first time that. in the legislature. But yeah, Raj Chohan, the speaker yesterday, said he, it was the first time that it happened in the Commonwealth, but he was incorrect. Apparently, yeah, it happened, happened in Australia. In, yeah, it happened in Australia. Yeah. So it was very charming. Congratulations to the both of them. Yeah. Well, why not? Yeah. Congratulations to the both of them. Keith Baldry, Baldry's Beat. I spoke, uh, my first guest today was Terry Mooring, president of the BC Teachers Federation. Outgoing. And uh, yeah, she's soon to be uh, replaced, but... Very good president, by the way. She, you know, she's led that union through a tough, tough, through to a a tough period no, here, yeah. Terry Mooring did very well. And they're looking for a big raise, though, at the bargaining table. And I tried to pin her down on what uh, exactly how much of a raise they want, how much are teachers making right now. She said they're the second lowest paid in Canada. And she didn't want to give me a number. And a lot of the listeners were keyed in on that. She was kind of evasive on that, but we were talking off air. I think, you know, average teacher salary in Vancouver is around what? 60, well, I, I know some teachers, young teachers in, uh, in Metro Vancouver making about 62,000, 58,000, 62,000. If you get a master's degree, you can go to 70,000 plus. Yeah. Uh, and as you accumulate seniority, your wage goes up. The reality is, I mean, I still don't know how people live in Metro Vancouver on 60,000 a year. I mean, yeah. it is, but, is it realistic to assume that the government or your employer, any employer, whether it's a private company or the government, is going to give you a 5 or 6% annual increase that's in it. terms of your weight? And that's where the rubber hits the road here. And that's why – and again, if you go on strike, you lose, you lose, your pay, you lose pay. You, yeah. um, you come out with a net loss. Unless your strike pay is really high, you're going to come out with a net loss uh, after uh, sustained job action. So that's what 400,000 United workers are going to be asking themselves in the next few months – not just the BCTF, it's 182 public sector contracts have expired. The TF's contract expires June 30th. 
uh, and they have to ask themselves, are you willing to lose a paycheck in order to put pressure on the employer by withdrawing services in order to achieve a 3 or 4% annual wage increase? And this is a contract year, the likes of which we have not seen for 30 years in yep. terms of inflation being on the table. That's not been on the table in any way, shape, or form like it is now. Okay, let's go to your phone calls. Rob in Chilliwack. Hi, Rob. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, good morning, guys. You know, I want to weigh in on that debate last night, the conservative leadership debate. First off, that whoever the production team was that organized that, that was terrible. That blue screen behind there, awful. The mm-hmm. paddle idea, holding a paddle up, you get five chances. That was that was absurd. It, <laughs> if that's their idea of a debate, I'm sorry, that was embarrassing. And having having said that, everyone thinks Polyev is in the lead. I don't know. Last night. He is so big on this cryptocurrency, and he really, he really uh, contradicted himself last night. There, uh, mm-hmm. if that's if that's the best they have, uh, I don't know. Trudeau is the guy's like Teflon. I think he'll skate all over them. I, I'm a guy who used to vote NDP, believe it or not, and I, I don't. Anyone on that stage, honestly, the only one who might have half a chance is is uh, Jean Charest. Maybe, yeah. and he carries mm-hmm. so much baggage with his working for Huawei. I don't know, but I, I'm not sure what the alternative is. Here, yeah, but. thanks for the call. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah, good point about Poliev's got this weird obsession with cryptocurrency and in monetary policy and the Bank of Canada. That is not what the average person on the street's talking about. You don't see people gathering around a water cooler saying, "Oh, what, you see the latest with Bitcoin," <laughs> or talk about uh, Tiff Macklem. Uh, no more. 99.9% of the population cannot even name who the head of the Bank of Canada is. And he said he would fire him and last night. he said he would night. fire him, which, yeah. again, is a complete violation of the church and state separation of Bank of Canada and the federal government. Uh, so Polyev is straining to some strange waters here. I think he's, he's obviously trying to establish himself as the anti-establishment candidate, yeah. which is fine. But get into the, the vagaries and weirdness of cryptocurrency at a time when Bitcoin and, and others are crashing. It was Bitcoin's it's, down 60% since November. Yeah, that's I mean, what Charest said and, last and night. Now, well, not just Charest. I mean, that's what the markets are saying. Yeah. And, and for him, for Polyev to suddenly hitch his wagon to this, this bizarre issue is, uh, okay. is very strange and raises questions about his judgment. Glenn and Maple Ridge. Hi, Glenn. Go ahead. Hey, Keith. Yeah. Yeah. yeah great to hear you. Uh, yeah, I just, uh, I, I, I can't wrap my head around it, and I'm not a conspiracist, but uh, there does something that seem to be a play here. With We've got problems on both sides of the border with inflation, raising interest rate, rising interest rates. Um, uh, we've got a war that's going on in Ukraine that we're trying to feed. I mean, we've got energy costs soaring. We're going to be heading into a recession almost 100%, and yet suddenly this the most one of the most divisive issues you can come up with, abortion, comes out of the blue, and it just seems very strange. There seems to be a strange pattern of, of really trying to divide people on both sides of the border. Just kind of want okay. to. Well, yeah. So, um, no, I think you have to separate the two. So Roe v. Wade has been brewing for some time. Um, this was this was working its way through the court system. It was going to have a court judgment, I think, released in June. What suddenly exploded? Is this leaked document now? Um, there's there's published reports suggesting it came from Clarence Thomas and Ooh. Sam Alito, the author of it. Um, what they that, leaked it? That they leaked it. Uh, what? That this wow. is, this no, is what, really? Yes, yes. Newsweek, I think, is reporting that. Um, others are as well. But again, 
I think this is still speculation. No one, we've yet to see the report that John uh, uh, Roberts, the, um, the Chief Justice, has commissioned. But uh, there's more credence being uh, lent to that particular theory.